0: Well, good morning. <laughs> I just thought I'd see if y'all were awake or not. Uh, we praise God that you're here tonight. I tell you, we got folks way over there and folks way over there and folks way down here. We praise God for y'all being here. We're going to have a good time tonight, in the Lord, I, uh, I apologize for sounding like I'm in a well, but. It's all in my head. That's what they tell me. <laughs> so uh, it's okay. It's no big deal. Mr. Simpsons, it's good to see you here tonight, sir. We praise God for you being here. We, uh, we've had a, good, a very good time with the Lord in the last few meetings. And I just pray that tonight that you will just join right in and allow God to speak into your heart and receive from the Lord what God has for us. I'm excited about what God has done and what he's going to do. And I'm here to tell you, Monty's going to get on one of them big birds tomorrow and he'll go back to Alabama. But that doesn't mean it has to stop here. We need to keep on keeping on with God. Worshipping God and allowing God to work in us. So I encourage you, in the coming days, coming weeks, spend that time with God. Get real familiar with God. And you'll be surprised how familiar God will get with you if you will get familiar with Him. We welcome all of our guests from wherever you might be from tonight, I, they tell me I need to introduce my brother, but I think most of y'all know him just about as well as you need to, anyway. (laughs) Monty has spent most of his life serving the Lord in many, many different churches. Well, not many, many, but several different churches in different states. And then in South Africa, and I'm not going to try to name the people because I can't pronounce their names. But I want you to know that even now, on a weekly basis, he is communi- He is in touch with and communicates with pastors in South Africa where he and his wife started churches when they were there for 13 years. And he still works with those pastors even though he's In Alabama and they're in South Africa because of our technology now (coughs) we can communicate with them on a regular basis will you be in prayer for he and his wife as they continue their ministry in South Africa as well as what God has them doing right here in the United States I also want to say thank you to Jeff and his for coming and sharing the music with us. Thank you, Brother Jeff. It's been great. We praise God for you. Tonight, I pray that as they lead us in praise and worship, that you will desire in your heart more than anything else not to listen to how they sing or how they play or any of that to worship God just to worship God and get our hearts ready for what God has for us through God's man as he speaks to us so tonight I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask Jeff and his, his folks to come and lead us in praise and worship, and then Monty, when he gets through, you just hop right up there and do what God has for you to do. I remind you also that the men will be standing at the doors as you go out, give a love offering to the folks that have led us in praise and worship, and to Monty, you just, uh, just do what God lays on your heart, you know. Whether it be a nickel, a dime, or a hundred dollar bill, that's okay, whatever. You just do what God lays on your heart. If you write a check, I've had someone ask you all about, make the check to Montana Baptist Church, and then we will give that to them, okay? Through a, through a church check. Will you join with me as we pray? Lord God. We come before you. Laying our hearts out for you tonight, Father. We know that you're the great physician. Physically and spiritually. So tonight, Lord God, through the comforter that you provided through the Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak to every heart, you'll minister to every heart in a spiritual manner. You'll uplift us. You'll give us the joy that passes all understanding. You'll give us peace. And Lord God, more than anything else, we'll have a communication, a closeness with you, Father. And we thank you for You bless those that lead us in praise and worship. And then bless Brother Monty as he shares the word. And open our ears to our hearts that we'll truly receive that which you have for us. Mm -hmm. And we give you praise for it, Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.
1: Great to see all of you here tonight, and just when you think that you've met all of us, boom, here's one that you haven't met. This is Bart, and he's going to come and uh, lead the first couple of songs. I kind of get an easy night tonight. It works out really good for me. Let's all stand. I think you're going to know this song.
2: Fazer Quick question: Anybody here that was at this church about 1974? <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Well, just a quick story: My mom and dad, when they moved to town, they they attended this church for a couple years. So it was like 73 to 74 five or five something. No money
1: left around. What the
2: That's hey. I was born in '76. <laughs> Here's another great old gospel tune. Bride and blessed He'll prepare for us a place When we all get to heaven What a day of rejoicing that shall be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory While we walk the pilgrim pathway Clouds will all sky but when traveling days are over not a shadow not a sign when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that shall be when we all see jesus we'll sing and shout the victory to the prize before us soon his beauty will be cold. soon the pearly gates will open we shall tread the streets of gold when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all We'll sing and shout the victory. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory.
1: Praise God. All right, you are welcome to have a seat if you would like to. If, uh, you, you can sit down, but you're probably going to be getting back up again anyway here, just a little bit, at least some of you are going to, but, but you know, some, uh, uh Monty asked me, you know, what kind of music, what do you call yourselves, and the only thing I could think of to say was eclectic, because, <laughs> you know, we really come out from a lot of different backgrounds here, obviously, Bart comes out of a, a country background, and, and Rebecca and I, and Danny came out of a classical background, and, and, uh, James Moore, James 2.0 back here. He's kind of a rock and roll guy and and what do you come out of, James? He's he's like all of all of the above, some contemporary and and his wife Stephanie. So yeah, we we just kind of try to throw it all together and blend it all together and and hope people like it. And uh, but the, the most important thing of course is that we do it to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to do with this this song.
3: We sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah.
1: word you told us this morning? Chablock. That's right. Hope you have enjoyed uh, the song we've been kind of using as a theme uh, this week and that it's been something that's meant a lot to you. And uh, so we're going to do it one more time, all right? Is that all right? Good. You're not tired of it yet then?
4: All right.
3: gift of grace.
1: I'm not playing video games on my phone up here, just so that you'll know that. Uh, I remember a long time ago, you know, back when, when uh, uh, you, people started having Bibles on their phones, and Danny had a Bible on his phone. We were doing a revival somewhere, I don't know where it was, uh, but uh, uh, one, of, one of the teenagers in the church, uh, I guess somebody got onto them for playing on their phone, and they said, well, that guy with the curly red hair has been playing on his phone the whole time. <laughs> But anyway, I just wanted to know I wasn't doing that, but I actually wanted her to read a passage. We got one more song to do, and I wanted her to read this passage. It's from Revelation 5, and I think you'll get a blessing from it.
5: I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside, and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, "'Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals?' And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, "'Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have been made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth.
2: Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. the Lord to be the light within
1: our midst. It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of of far more than what we can say. Lord, thank you so much for moving in my life. I know what I would be if you hadn't. I know where I would be today. It's not, not pretty. Lord, I thank you that, uh, though, though I have been a Christian for many decades, that you just keep bringing me back to yourself. Because I know how prone to wonder I am. Thank you for not letting me wander all the way away. So, Lord, right now, we just want to turn our hearts to you. We want to hear what you have to say tonight. Lord, I believe what you're going to speak to us is extremely important. And I just pray, Father, that it, it would sink into our hearts. And that you would cause us to know what your will is. And that you would help us to make any adjustments in our lives that we're needing to make in order to be completely in the center of your will. Thank you for loving us. And as much as we can, can, as much as we are able, we love you, Lord.
3: Didn't get
6: enough of that. <laughs> hey James too are you lost? I thought you was going out that door. Are you glad you're here? Amen. me too. Jeff, thank you all of uh, those who complete what you all have done. It's been a blessing. We just rejoice and give thanks to the Lord of lords and King of kings. I just want to thank each one of you who have allowed me to come back and be with you and just enjoy this part of the body again. I, uh, you know, Linda and I just kind of wander around. People don't ever know where we're going to be, you know. In fact, we've just we've just gone to a, a new church. <laughs> People can't keep up with where we are. And uh, and it's not because we get, you know, necessarily mad or leave or just got to leave. We just suck, you know. We've tried to learn throughout all the years, starting way back when I was just young, to go where God says go. I want to give you a word of wisdom that's not in the sermon, but you need it, okay? Some years ago, the Lord told me to leave the pastorate, and I did, and uh, I was sitting out on my front porch. We owned a a piece of property and a beautiful hayfield right off the front of the house, and we loved to watch the, the turkey and the deer and... Sit in my rocking chair and spend time with God. I mean, it was glory, and, and yet God just—you know—he—he he made me to be a goer. And and I, I was sitting there that day, and th- you know, I—I'm I, God. I've told you, God and I argue, and I, you know, so I told—I said, God, I'm sitting here on my porch on this rocking chair with my coffee it's good and it's great but God there's billions of people that are dying and going to hell and I know how to tell them about Jesus and here I sit you want to know something God wasn't impressed because in my spirit it just quickened and said you're right And you can get up and you can go and you could preach or teach or evangelize and do all those things. And and some would get saved and and that's, that's good. Or you can be obedient and go where I tell you to go and you will always be on time where I want you to be. And I promise you, son, you will encounter every individual, every person, every group that I intend for you to meet and you will not miss a one. You talk about a weight being lifted off because, man, we're always. I see, I was brought up. We got to win the world for Jesus. God never said that. That's a PR thing that somebody picked up and has pushed on us. God has called us to walk and talk with Him, God has called us to be open to Him. I mean, I, I, I met the Lord under a tree out in our backyard in Highway Park, Texas, on a Sunday morning playing in the dirt with my trucks. You know, I mean, I, I, I was uh, my, our family was Christian. Our, our parents loved the Lord, and, and we'd been taught, and our church was a, a Bible-believing church. And, and so I was out there, and hey, I met Jesus. That some bad just because nobody led me to the Lord or prayed with me or anything. I met him. I got up. I'll never forget this, folks. I got up out of the dirt, went in the house. Mom was sitting, and she had this round mirror. She was sitting at her dressing table, getting ready to go to church that morning. And I walked in and said, Mama, I bet Jesus got saved. I'm going to tell the church when I get there this morning. She didn't say, what? No, you didn't. She just looked at me and said, okay. So I went to church and told them. Well, again, we were taught, and, 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 and our pastor, I'll never forget Homer W. Thompson. I mean, I you know, just as a, as a boy, we used to leave grade school every Monday afternoon and make it for his office, and he'd take the Scripture. And basically out of, out of that passage we started with, out of, of 2 Corinthians 5, there and he talks about our new creation, but ambassadors of Christ and how we were to share the gospel. We were to represent Jesus. I was at a, at a boys' camp one summer in those days. My best friend, Randy Vols, didn't know Jesus. I didn't want Randy to go to hell. I didn't know what to do. I mean, what in the world is an eight-year-old, how do you tell people about Jesus at eight years old? I didn't know anything except Jesus loved you and you were a sinner and, and if you died in your sin, you'd go to hell, but Jesus would save you. And I I don't know what I told Randy, but I shared as best I could. i know that for sure. And I'll never forget he looked at me that day when we when I did that, and he looked at me and said, No. Well, nobody prepared me for that. I didn't know that people tell you no (laughs) No. and I didn't know what to do we went on our way and that afternoon and later that day we were at at a service a meeting I can't tell you what the preacher preached have no idea I know we were having the altar call and it was a good Baptist meeting and we were singing just as I am and Jeff that has what at least five verses And you can sing all five and sing five again if you want to and and everything. I mean, we used to do that. Now we kind of have to be in a hurry because you got to. But as we were standing there, Randy turned to me and said, Monty, if you will go with me to the front, I'll trust Jesus. I looked at him. You know what I said? Nope. (laughs) Hey. Nowhere did it say I had to go to the front before he began to say he had to go to the front. I didn't have to go to the front. But as I said, they were singing just as I am. And I don't know how many of those verses it saying, but the Spirit began to work in me. And I remember turning to Randy and I said, so if I will go with you, you will truly trust Jesus. He said, yes. So we stepped out in that old arbor type thing. We came down to the front, and we got there, and I looked at the preacher and said, Randy wants to be saved, so they took him over here to talk with him, pray with him like you do, and I was just left standing there. I didn't know whether to go sit down. I didn't know, you know, I mean, it's like a deer in the headlights. About that time, this man walked up and put his arm around my shoulder, and I looked up at him, and he said, Son, can I help you with something? I looked up into that man's face and in that moment at eight years old about a year after I met Jesus under that tree I said yes sir God just told me I was going to Africa as a missionary I'm telling you that because folks we need to realize our God's alive and well And man, don't you take these children and tell them they can't hear God. In fact, I'd almost rather for a child to pray for me as for any of you to pray for me because they don't got all the baggage to get through. They're just innocent enough to believe that God said it and he'll do it. You and I have got to find out all these things of why he wouldn't do it. And then we pray dumb prayers like this, God, if it be your will. And that's not, you know what that is? That's trying to get you off the hook. If you don't know God's will, just keep your mouth shut. If you don't know whether he wants to heal them or not, well, fine. Just pray for him to comfort them and help them and and so forth. But don't pray, well, God, I want you to heal them. But God, if it's not your will, that's a bunch of baloney. That's free. That wasn't even in the sermon. One of my pet peeves, you guess, but not. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. We need to learn to be obedient. I'm sitting on the porch, billions of people dying to go into hell, and God said, son, you can get up and go. And you've been told all your life you've got to win the world, but what I'm telling you, I want you to go where I want you to go, when I want you to, to go, with who I want you to, and you will always be on time, and you'll meet and, and be able to minister to everybody I want you to. And that's great. Messes up a whole lot of plans and strategies and, and all kinds of stuff. But hey, it, it's great. So you got it? Listen, people ask me all the time, how do you live the Christian life? It's really simple. It really is. Living the Christian life is simple. Didn't say it's easy, it's simple. It's hard. It's difficult. It's costly, but it's easy. To live the Christian life, you simply do what you're told. He is Lord of lords and King of kings. He is the master. And he will tell you what to do. And there's only one word you can never say to the master. And that word is no. Because when you say no, you just usurped his authority. And he's no longer Lord. So live the Christian life. Now, he's going to tell you to do things that you don't want to do. He's going to tell you to do things that are going to scare you to death. He's going to tell you things that that you say, say, I can't do that. He said, I know. I've already told you in John chapter 15, without me, you can't do anything. You've got this mindset and idea. Well, I can do this. Well, I tell you, you can't do anything, according to Jesus, without him. I don't care how gifted you are, how many resources you've got. It doesn't matter. But when we come back, do what you told. And if he tells you to sit down and rock in your rocking chair on the front porch, as much as it just, you know, God, come on, you know what? He will get you to a place where he says, hey, that's the victory. I mean, in these last you know, ten years the Lord told me to leave the ministry, Linda and I leave the pastorate in 2011. Man, we've had all kinds of folks tell us that how crazy we were, and, and how we were wrong, and they they've gone through all kinds of stuff. And the thing is, is to stay the course with Jesus. Now we've got folks that we pray with, and pray with us, and and I'll you know every once in a while I'll sit down with them and said, Have we missed the Lord? You need people around you. People you know walk and talk with Jesus. You know, when it says wise is the man who has many counselors, well, be sure those counselors are in contact with the Lord. If they're not, all they're going to give is you advice, and advice doesn't do you any good. So how do you live the Christian life? You do what you're told. And man, hallelujah. I, I tell you what, it's so exciting to get to walking with God. It, you know, I mean, where he takes you and what he does. And you don't have to go to Africa or, or Spain or Russia or South America or whatever. Hey, some of the wildest places that I go today is Walmart. Linda yeah, yeah. and I have a Walmart ministry. I mean, we walk in. We don't go in looking for stuff. It just finds us. I was there the other day fixing to get in my car, and this, this older lady was standing there, and and, and she was concerned, uh, I won't go into the reasons why, but I was trying to help her or whatever, and the next thing I know, she's telling me about needs that she's got, and I looked at her and said, well, hey, let's pray. And man, that woman knew Jesus, and we had a praying good time right there in the Walmart behind the cars. Now, I want to tell you something, if you'll learn to walk with Jesus, and when I say learn, it's not something to learn as much as getting over who you think you are or who you think you are or whatever. It's just coming to the place by faith to to walk out there with him. But now when He, when you do that, realize God is God and he can only do God things. Don't bring him down and try to make him do what you can do or what you think you can do or what you think somebody else I mean, God is God, and when we walk with Him, we're walking with Him where He's doing what He's doing. And so sometimes when you do it, I mean, it's really good. Sometimes when you do it, you, you don't understand it at all. Sometimes when you do it, you look at it and says, Man, this is scary! Why? Because God's God and I'm not. It's kind of like one one time... I was in a service in, in, in a tent meeting. We were planning a church in South Africa, and I was just there to encourage and, and pray. I wasn't preaching or doing anything. I mean, I was just there to enjoy. I, I learned to enjoy watching God work in other people. Don't always have to be on the stage or be the one that prays. or be. Learn to enjoy watching God work in other people. It's exciting. And that's why I was there. I like to watch God work in other people, and I I was there to observe. And yes, I was praying or whatever. And I was sitting there, and we were singing and, and worshiping. And then the preacher, and, and in my spirit, I sensed, man, there was a there was a, a spirit there, a harassing spirit there. And man, they were, that spirit was giving somebody fits. I mean, it was laughing and mocking and scoffing everything the preacher was saying. And and that person I knew could hear what was going on. And, and so forth. And man, I was praying. I was doing spiritual warfare. I'd put on the whole armor. I was praying. I was resisting, and I couldn't tell I was gaining any ground. But anyway, I kept on. We get through the service, and uh, they've given an altar call, and, and and I'm sitting there. And I realize, you got to if you're going to be a Christian, you got to do what you're told. Remember. And, and so I'm sitting there. And I've got a brand-new Southern Baptist missionary that had been on the field two days sitting over there by me. I had no idea what he believed, uh, you know, about a lot of spiritual things, particularly when you deal with the demonic. And, uh, and so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. Because realize there wasn't a manifestation. My spirit was bearing witness with what was going on in the spirit. And so I'm sitting there, and I hear that, and then all of a sudden the Spirit said to me, if that person who is being harassed comes, you, y'all you can set them free, and they will be born again. Well, I'm sitting there, and so I get up and move to the pastor who is a good friend of mine, a tremendous man of God, and I share with him. I said, Pastor Holly, this is what's going on. I told him basically what I've told you, and he said, okay. And I went and sat down. I said, oh, all right, I've got this young missionary he, you know, he won't know it's me. And and so, by that time, the pastor said, uh, "Pastor Mills has got something he needs to share with the congregation." I thought, "Why do not I? Share? I just told you. You tell him." I got a young missionary over here. I've got a, you know. Anyway, I shared. Nobody moved. I went and sat down. I thought, "Well, that's good. It's all, you know." They're going off the invitation, and, you know, people were responding. In a minute, the pastor stopped again, and he said, Pastor Mills, here's that person that's being been with you know, of the Spirit. The Lord has told you about it. You come and deal with it. I'm thinking, no, I've got a young Southern Baptist missionary that I don't know what they believe, and here I, you know. But I got up, and I went up and prayed and dealt with the lady, and she got gloriously saved. And man, as soon as the power of the Spirit was broken and that demon was gone and she was filled with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, man, we had a manifestation back at the back of the tent. I mean, the devil cut loose. We had one lady back there, and she was picking men up, big guys, and she was throwing them across the tent like they were two things. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm not here to teach on the demonic tonight, but don't try to hold a demon down. It's supernatural and you ain't got it. But at the very same time as it happened, I started down the center aisle and the pastor of the church that we were, where we were started down the center aisle. We got there at the same time and I said it in English and he said it also, basically, in the name of Jesus, be still. Man, it was ceased. And then I looked at the pastor and said, You know what to do. I'm going to go sit down. By the way, the missionary, (laughs) he had his video camera, was taking all this. He got away before I got to see him, and it was late, and I didn't call him. Actually, the next next morning I called to check on him and be sure he was all right. And I went to see him, and he said, Monty, that was real last night. I said, yes, it was. And he said, it's biblical. I said, yes, it is. So see, sometimes when God does, you have to realize God is God. He can only do God things. And what you're daring to say as a believer, God, I want to walk with you. And if you're going to walk with God, you've got to walk in God things. And that's great. Don't get haughty because you do. Man, wow. You get yourself some trouble. Because only God can do God things. Go back to Romans chapter 6 again. I'm not going to preach this, but you need to look there and mark it somewhere, Romans chapter 6. And there it talks about, you do not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to the evil one, but give yourself to God as instruments, as weapons of righteousness. Realize what you're doing when you walk with God. You say, God, here I am. Use me. I'm a tool. I'm a weapon in your hand and Christ in me gives me the authority and the power, and so in me and through me, do whatever you want to do. That's the Christian life. Whether it's at Walmart, whether it's in South Africa, or wherever we would want to talk about, that's the way it is in your home. Some of you need to realize and walk with Jesus in your home, in your house. And allow him to do and be what he wants to be in your house, with your family. I want to tell you something I believe God's going to do in the days to come. I won't be here. I'm leaving out in the morning, the Lord willing. Unless something changes. But I want to tell you what to expect. We've talked about a lot of things. And I've talked here about some things God's doing and will do and has done. If you really are serious about going on with God, and I believe many of you are, expect this. God is going to break your heart and call you to repentance. There is going to be great weeping at this altar. And it's not going to be over the world out there. It's going to be over your sin. I don't know what it is, but I guarantee you when God shows up. And it's not a bad thing, and God's not mad, and He's not going to do it because He wants to hurt you. He's going to do it so He can be in you and through you all He wants to do. The first time I encountered this years ago, and man, I I, I we there, God moved and we the group of us were at the altar, I don't know, 50, 60, 70. And I got down there as a young man, a young pastor, and people were praying and crying out and all. And I said, and this is, you know, I'm going to be honest I said, Lord, how many of these folks really mean business? How many of these folks are serious? I mean, they're going to do this, and then they're going to get up and walk out of here and do the same old thing. And, man, the Spirit came on me. He set me down and said, Son, that's none of your business. What are you going to do? And they finally had to pick me up off the altar and move me over there. And a good friend of ours, Mac, had a good relationship with Manly Beasley. Oh, Manly put his arm around me. He said, my honey, it'll be all right. Don't be afraid of God breaking you. He's not breaking you to break you. He's breaking you to bring you to wholeness. But if you're going on with God, and you really want what's going on in the the beginnings of what you're seeing and sensing here, I promise you, the only way you will get there is God's going to call you to repentance. It won't be the preacher calling you. It's not going to be some visiting evangelist or whatever calling you. The Spirit of God will fall in this place. weep before God but when you get up you'll be whole biblically probably the best example I can give is Isaiah chapter 6 Isaiah saw God in the temple high and lifted up and all the glory and the splendor and the wonder and the angels and what was Isaiah's response woe is me for I am undone and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips and when he repented when he was honest not because he decided well today's a good day to repent but because God granted it to happen it says the angel moved with the tongs and removed fire from the altar and touched his lips and he was whole. And The next thing we know, oh, Isaiah standing there wherever he was, and he had got so close to God, he could hear a conversation between the Trinity and the Godhead. They weren't even talking to Isaiah. And this is what he heard. Whom shall we send, and who will go for us? They weren't talking. They weren't talking to Isaiah. They were talking among themselves, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when Isaiah hears it, he interrupts. And he says, Lord, here am I, send me. Man, we need that. We're always struggling to get people to do something or go somewhere or do whatever. I tell you what, when there is that true repentance that I'm talking about, People are saying, "God, here am I. Send me." Isaiah didn't even know what the ministry was. He just said, "Lord, here am I. Send me." And you remember, God said, "Okay, you can do it. You're going to go preach for me." And when you do, they're not going to hear you. Their hearts are going to get hard, and and they're going. And Isaiah didn't say, "God, that's not what I'm signing up for." That's what most of us would do. Oh, I didn't know that's what the ministry. Was. I don't want to do that. He didn't do that. Instead, Isaiah asked a very pertinent question, Lord, how long? And then the answer was not a real good answer either because the Lord said, until their cities fall desolate. You better get ready in America because I'm not sure God's going to do anything different here. Don't be afraid when the cities start falling desolate. Then he looked at Isaiah, and he says this, but son, I will give you a remnant. I will give you a tenth. Hallelujah. I really believe if you want to go on with what God has begun, it's going to be more than just worship that we've talked about, though that's important. But that worship is going to get you to a place in the presence of God where he is going to grant repentance. And that repentance will be the way forward to walk with God and see him move. Amen? Amen. Can I have just a little bit more time? I'll not even know what time it is. Ooh, I'm already past
3: time.
6: I'm going to close with just some highlights I think is important as you move forward if you you look in your Bible in Matthew chapter 6 you're going to find there that Jesus taught us how to pray now there's a whole lot of good things in there that I'm not going to have time to share at all But I want to skip down toward in that prayer where he says this. He says, pray like this. And basically he's saying, Father, forgive me of my debts, of my sins, of my trespasses, as I forgive others. You realize what God just taught you to pray. Father, you forgive me as I forgive others. If I don't forgive them, God, I don't expect you to forgive me. Most folks have never sat down and studied that prayer enough to know that. But if you pray that prayer, that's what you're praying. And I guess what I'm trying to say to you, God takes forgiveness seriously. And he teaches us to pray. Father, forgive me as I forgive others, on the basis of how I forgive others. Now, if you study that prayer, you're going to realize and you're going to see that the only thing that Jesus gives any commentary on, or goes further on in that whole prayer, is the thing of forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, on down after the prayer, he gives the commentary Listen to what Jesus says. I'm in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now do you see why I said that he taught us to pray, Father, forgive me how I forgive others. If I don't forgive them, you don't have to forgive me. Jesus says, I want to be sure you understood what I told you to pray, and he gives it to us right here. If you forgive, you're forgiven. If you don't forgive, don't expect God to forgive you. Now then, we're not talking about salvation. there. We're talking about everyday life. Anybody here ever been hurt? Anybody here ever been used and abused and mistreated? Hey, all of us have to raise our hands, every one of us. And as I have shared this, I have people all the time say, so, well, you don't understand. I don't, but Jesus does. And Jesus said, pray like this. Father, forgive me as I forgive others. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive you. Well, okay, I understand. Big deal. Whatever. All right, Jesus is serious about this. Go with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. And he gives a whole parable, and I don't have time to go through all the parable. It's the parable of the uh, evil servant, the unforgiving servant. You remember he, he owed much to his master? And he couldn't pay it, and he begged forgiveness, and the master forgave him. He had loaned some money to somebody. He had another servant. He had loaned him a little bit of money and went to him and said, You gotta pay me? The guy says, I can't pay. Give me some time. The guy says, No, you go to prison till you pay to the last penny, even with your family members. And if you look at that parable there in in chapter eighteen, beginning in Uh, 21 all the way through the end of the chapter when the the rich ruler heard what had happened heard that the one who had been forgiven much did not forgive the one who owed a little it said he called him in and said I you're no longer forgiven and you will be thrown into the prison. And it says that he was given over. Look at verse 34. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers, the tormentors, until he should pay all that was due him. He would not forgive, so he ended up. Now here's the kicker. Highlighted, I've got X's and stars by this Because Jesus is speaking, and hear what he says in 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. There are a lot of Christians today that are in torment, that have got difficulties and problems, and they've prayed, and they've bound, and they've cast out, and it goes on and on. And I'm going to tell you why because you have unforgiveness in your life. And God has given you over to the tormentors, and those tormentors are not going to leave, according to Scripture, until you forgive. I've prayed with lots of people. I've worked with lots of people. I've dealt with all kinds of things, and as I've already said, the demonic and so on. But I hate to tell you, if God looses them on you, they will stay with you in this situation until you forgive. If God put it there, you're not going to overcome God. You can bind the devil all you want, but God, you can't deal with. So my Heavenly Father will also do to you, will give you over to the tormentors until you forgive People say, but I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't feel like forgiving. Well, I want to tell you something. Forgiveness is just like love. It, it's an action. It's a choice you make. It's not a feeling you have. You choose to forgive. And you don't wait for them to come and say, well, I'm sorry. I, I, I misused you. I abused you. I, 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 you know, all the." No, no, no. You forgive whatever they do. Or whatever they don't do. And you come to the place and say, God, I don't feel like forgiving them, but you said I am to forgive them. God, by faith, I step up and choose by an act of my will to forgive them. And God, you transform my mind, and you change my emotions, and God, you alone can set me free. Free from the tormentors, yes, but also realize unforgiveness, does not hurt the one who has abused you. Unforgiveness hurts you. I know churches that are never going to be where they need to be because they've got so much unforgiveness in them. People said something. People didn't say something. People did this or did do that. And, and they go on and on. And, and they say, oh, well, you know, and I know I've been in churches. I don't know if this is been. I don't know about y'all. But I've been in churches where you had groups that over there and they said, and they weren't about to speak. I mean, they did all kinds. Of, I mean, it's crazy. And they never realized what Jesus said about it. Nobody ever taught them. The seriousness God takes forgiveness seriously. So, you got to examine, because as we've already said, all of us have been used and abused and mistreated. All of us have been hurt. And the question is, have you forgiven? That word heart is more than an emotional. That's from your very center of your being. Right now, I just want to believe that in our group, myself included, that there's anybody you haven't forgiven, that right now God brings that face to your mind. You have to see it. You have to confront it. As painful as it is, as hurtful as it is, but you can trust the Holy Spirit. And He's not bringing it to destroy you. He's bringing you to set you free. He's bringing it because He said, if you will truly forgive them, and you will be forgiven and the tormentors are gone. So right now, just in a moment of quietness, deal with that one that God's just brought to your mind. That face that you've just seen, that situation that is so painful to you. And right now, choose Not because you feel like it, but by faith choose. God, I release, I forgive. Because, God, you have taught me to pray. You forgive me as I forgive others. Right now, do business. Let me share this. Just because you forgive doesn't mean that God wants you to be a doormat. Just because you forgive doesn't mean God wants you to be stupid. There's some people you need to get out of your life. Don't let them keep hurting you. That doesn't mean you don't love them. You love them, pray for them, intercede for them, fight for them. But just because you forgive does not mean everything goes back to be the same. In fact, most of the time it doesn't. Relationships have been hurt and broken. Many times it never comes back. Other times, hey, it comes back better than it was before. I can't tell you what's going on. I'm just warning you that that just because you forgive doesn't mean that, hey, everything's just fine. We're going to all go back and be one big happy family. No, that's not always true. We're one family, and we're rejoicing in the Lord, but you've got to walk out where it is, okay? Just because you forgive, God doesn't call you to be stupid. But you got to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, just like that one of the, in the parable that Jesus gave, who was forgiven much, did not forgive little. He says, if you don't forgive, so will your heavenly Father give you to the tormentors until you forgive. So as we wind up what we've been doing here, I think those are the two things that God wants me to leave you with. One is, be ready for the repentance that's coming, if you're serious. Pray, pray, pray. And here's what you pray. God grant us repentance. That's what Paul prayed for the church at Galatia. I pray that God grant you repentance. And then pray and get things in this area of forgiveness settled. Individually and corporately wherever it needs to be. Anybody have a word or anything that needs to be said before we wind this thing up? Again, thank you for letting me be here. Thank you for putting up with me. Hey, I'm different. <laughs> I've been different all my life, and uh, and that's all right. God loves you individually, corporately. All of us together is the redeemed but don't presume upon that love. Because God says, I will discipline those that I love. Let me pray. Father, I thank you tonight that you've led us to gather these days and these times. I thank you that you have, have chosen to to show us glimpses of who you are, of who we are, and who you want us to be. Dear Lord, I thank you that, that you desire for every one of us to enjoy the fullness of the salvation that Jesus provided on the cross and through the power of the resurrection. Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll just dance across this this group of people. That you'll visit each one. You know where they are, who they are, what they need. And and Holy Spirit, that you meet them where they are. And that they'll be transformed and changed. And Lord, that they will be ready when you come and bring that, that repentance where you put out the light, the brightness of your glory, of your holiness, and it shows us who we really are and we're broken, that, Lord, we will be willing to be broken so we can get up empowered. And then, Lord, I think you have already begun to work with this thing of forgiveness. Lord, I don't think it's through yet. There's some are going to have to deal after they leave here, and there's some that may take days and longer because, Lord, they've been hurt. But, Holy Spirit, you're the one that binds up the broken heart. You're the one that sets the captive free, and they're chained, and the tormentors are there because of their unforgiveness, and yet you want to set them free. So, Lord, put everything around them and in them and with them that's necessary them to come to their liberty in Christ. Lord, I don't know what you've got for me next or what you have for anyone here in this room next, but Lord, we want to walk with you. We'll go wherever you want us to go. We will do whatever you want us to do. We will say whatever you want us to say. Lord, here am I. one, the lamb, the lion, who is worthy. You take the glory, and we exalt you. Amen and amen. Again, don't leave here if you have a need. Somebody's around. Yes, sir? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Bill or whoever's got this thing, do what the Lord wants next.
4: Be a blessing. Well yeah.